the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Impeach him or shut up. Yep, Bob Mueller gave the Democrats the opening they wanted, and now it's on them. It took uh, uh, Jerry Nadler about five minutes before he said it was up to Congress to investigate the crimes that Mueller didn't have enough evidence on to prosecute, and up to Congress to, to hold the president accountable for those crimes that Mueller wasn't able to find enough evidence of to prosecute. So apparently Jerry thinks that he and the other Democrats in Congress are going to be able to find evidence that Mueller couldn't find in, what, two and a half years and $30, $40 million uh, worth of looking. Plenty of people in the media believe that Mueller gave the Democrats the green light for impeachment. And it's obvious that plenty of Democrats agree. They're all over the place talking about it today. So let's see if they have the guts to go for it. We're a year and a half from a presidential election. They've been saying for two years that uh, President Trump is guilty of crimes and, uh, you know, including they've thrown the word treason around, which is punishable by death. Um, some of them were uh, throwing that word around anyway. So if they really believe what they've been saying and and if they believe what they're saying again today, uh, that these committed crimes, those are that, that Nadler used the word crimes. If he's if he's guilty of crimes and misdemeanors, well, that's that's impeachment. Uh, so, um, and they and they have to prove they are if this is what they think they're obligated to go with impeachment, and they'll have to prove that crimes were committed enough so that the Republicans in the Senate will vote to indict him and remove him from office. So that's a, it's a long road there for him. That's not going to happen. And if the Democrats don't agree with uh, that, then there's no reason for them not to impeach. So, put your money where your mouths have been, Democrats. And go for it or shut up. In our second half hour, we're going to talk uh, to a government lawyer who will tell us what he thinks Mueller accomplished or didn't accomplish today. Meanwhile, uh, if Bob Mueller hadn't done his press conference today, a trial in Oklahoma yesterday would have gotten a lot more attention in the media today. Uh, the state filed a suit against Johnson & Johnson and said the company helped create, quote, the worst man-made public health crisis in history. That's what they called it. It's all about the opioids. And when we come back, we're going to hear from a guy who's going to tell you that the epidemic isn't Johnson & Johnson's fault or the fault of any drug company. All those pills out there, it's the government's fault. We'll hear from him when we come back. Maybe you'd like to know what exactly Relief Factor is. It was created by doctors. It's a 100% drug-free supplement with four key ingredients that simply help your own body deal with the natural inflammatory response that it has. It's easy to swallow, four little capsules in each packet, like the packet that I carry with me at all times. Three packets a day for a week, then two packets a day for two weeks, and I have just described the three-week quick start. And you will know in three weeks. That's the beauty of it. Whether it works, they don't drag you on. That costs just $19.95. There's a very good chance that a very serious percentage of my listeners suffer from some sort of muscular or joint pain. You should try this for $19.95. That's all you can lose. If it works, they will send it to you automatically. If it doesn't work, tell them not to send any shipments. And it's as simple as that. It is all at relieffactor.com. I've been using it for years now. Relieffactor.com. Okay, meat lovers, Beef Jerky Outlet presents over 100 delicious ways to get your snack on. 
There's nothing slim about these big flavors. This is high-end quality gourmet jerky in more flavors than you've ever thought possible. From wild game to pepper and spice to sweet and savory, there's something for everyone. Flavors like honey jalapeno, Cajun barbecue beef brisket, sweet bourbon traditional, Asian sesame, teriyaki, cherry maple, and peppercorn smoked beef, just to name a few. With Father's Day coming up, this is a total no-brainer for the guy in your life. Visit BeefJerkyOutlet.com for fabulous gift ideas. Plus, check out their phenomenal selection of rubs, sauces, and marinades. Beef Jerky Outlet at Tanger Outlets in Washington and their brand new location at Grove City Outlets. Beef Jerky Outlet, proud sponsor of the Jerk of the Week, heard every Friday right here on the John Stoggerwald Show. Check them out, BeefJerkyOutlet.com. Have you ever seen a pest controller spraying chemicals in your home? It makes you wonder, if their chemicals are safe, then why do they suit up and wear respirators only to leave you to walk back in unprotected? G'day, I'm Scott from Plug-In Pest Free, and I'm here to tell you there's a better way. In an age where we now have the choice to drive electric cars, you too can electronically read your home or business of unwanted rodents and pests. The answer is Plug-In Pest Free. 100% chemical-free, Plug-In Pest Free is your safest bet for your family and pets. Our bestseller, the Plug-In Pest Free Pro, will cover up to 4,000 square feet. Now that's fair dinkum. So order yours today at gopestfree.com. Use promo code SAVE20 for 20% off plus free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's gopestfree.com, promo code SAVE20. Don't spray and regret, plug in and forget. GoPestFree.com today. We're talking to Rocky Blyer. He's involved with the Miracle League of Moon Township and the construction of a Miracle League athletic field. The fields are designed to make it possible for kids with special needs to play sports. Every child, no matter what the situation, deserves a chance to be able to play, to compete, and have a place that's safe, takes care of needs, that's organized. This will be the fourth Miracle League field that will be built. Now we got four places to be able to travel, so it broadens the whole interest of sports. It's just terrific for a community to do that. There's a buddy system I thought was pretty impressive. What's that all about? Kids with special needs have a buddy. A a child who's in school. It's like having an older brother or sister involved with you. So it's really good in that everybody has human dignity of being able to participate. The website is miraclesinmoon.org. Check it out and let's help make this dream a reality. Hey Rocky, thanks and uh, we'll be talking to you again about this project. Appreciate you coming on to talk about it. Thank you for having me. All right, man. Take it it. easy. Rocky Blyer, right, and we'll be right back. This is the John Stackerwald Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. Well, there are too many things that Republicans and Democrats agree on, but I can tell you one, opioids and the opioid epidemic. Everybody knows it's a huge problem right now. Just about everybody blames the drug companies. The state of Oklahoma is blaming Johnson & Johnson in a lawsuit. Uh, and nobody's rooting for Johnson & Johnson, I don't think, anyway, but uh, maybe it's not their fault. Jeffrey Myron is Director of Economic Studies at the Cato Institute and the Director of Graduate and Undergraduate Studies in the Department of Economic Studies at, at, uh, University, at, at Harvard University. And Jeffrey joins us now. Thanks for being here, Jeffrey. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So the headline of a piece you wrote for Cato just last month uh, read, Opioid Industry Suits are a misguided cash grab against a politically unpopular target. Um, and, I, you know, all the stories I saw yesterday about the, uh, the suit, and maybe I missed it, uh, the suit that Oklahoma is uh, filing, it has filed the, the trial that's going on there. Um, I don't recall anybody blaming the government. Uh, seems like everybody's just piling on Johnson & Johnson and expecting them to cave and cough up some serious cash. That's, that's right. That is what most people are expecting. I have a very different view of who's responsible for what yeah. and what the right remedies might be. Yeah, that's and that's uh, that's what I mean. You you uh, your the headline of your piece was that it's a it's a uh, cash grab, um, and so um, who who is responsible for what's happening here? So my analysis is that what's responsible is the policy by which we restrict access uh, to opioids. Mm-hmm. Opioids are not a legal product. They're illegal in a very limited sense that they can be prescri- produced and prescribed, but people who want to consume them on a long-term basis cannot do so unless they are in methadone maintenance or unless they have a physician who will prescribe for long periods, which is very rare. So people who end up 
wanting to consume for long periods, whether they're addicted, whether they're in pain or not, for whatever reason, but can't get legal access, can't get prescription access, they go to the black market and they consume drugs like heroin and fentanyl, which were not legally available. And because they're not sold in a legal market, they're of unknown purity and quality. And so people overdose, not because they're taking opioids per se, but because they don't know what dosage they're taking. If people were consuming alcohol under the same circumstances, there would be many more overdoses from alcohol than there are, as occurred during alcohol prohibition when we outlawed alcohol. Yeah, and um, I don't think I don't think um, uh, I think most people believe that it's when they hear opioid crisis, they think of people hoarding um, jars of Vicodin or um, OxyContin. Something like that, and 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 just overdosing on it, and um, they they don't look at it as a black market thing as much as they should, and that, that is that because of the 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 quickness with which people are blaming the drug companies for uh, not letting people know how addictive these drugs are and those kinds of things. That's what they're being accused of in Oklahoma. That is certainly what they're being accused of, and it is absolutely right that starting in the mid nineteen eighties, roughly. The medical profession came to the view that we could use opioids more generally for medical purposes without causing excessive amounts of addiction uh, or, or misuse. And the data, all of the studies essentially, back up, back up that view that it was possible to help alleviate more people's pain for more conditions without generating significant amounts of addiction. But it's also true that the manufacturers we're happy to hear that message from doctors and other medical professionals, and so they did. They produced new opioids, they did market those opioids aggressively, and so on. But the question is, is that necessarily so bad? So first of all, one effect of the broader view of the opioid use and the broader advertising was that many people who had been living in terrible pain were able to manage their pain more effectively and live better lives. So at a minimum, the fact that some people may have overdosed because of the excessive, so-called excessive advertising, that's only one part of the equation. We should also be looking at the fact that the aggressive advertising helped more people live better lives. Second, the people who were taking these prescriptions and those who did want to continue longer than their physicians would prescribe, they only ended up having to go to the black market because of the legal limitations, because the government prevented them from being able to go and buy uh, a legal quant legal uh, opioid of a known dosage and continue taking it in a way that hadn't been doing them any harm. Yeah, um, I, I have a personal uh, experience with that. I was taking Vicodin for a long time for uh, bad knees. I've had I had four surgeries on uh, one of my knees, and my doctor was happy to give me the Vicodin. And then a couple of years ago, he said. Uh, I can't do it anymore. He said, I, at first it started with he couldn't just call the prescription into the drugstore. He said, I can only uh, send you a letter, or you can come to my office and pick it up and then take it to the drugstore, but you can't call it in anymore. Um, and it was a pain, uh, both literally, literally and figuratively for me, and I ended up not taking the Vicodin anymore, but um, I, I was taking two a day, maybe, uh, at night to sleep. And uh, I was told that I can't do that anymore because uh, I don't know. I don't know because the government decided that that they had to crack down on the doctors, and the doctor told me that he was it just he was nervous about doing it because they were really leaning on him. So what you're saying is there are a lot of people out there just in pain who were getting great relief from these pills that were a, a great discovery by the the drug companies, but now they can't get them. Exactly, and. So some people in a situation such as yours simply suffered in silence. Some substituted toward other painkillers, which may or may not have been as effective or may have had negative side effects. Well, aspirin and Advil uh, can have negative effects, such as causing uh, ulcers and things like that. Right. Um, right. Other people said, yes, okay, if I can't get it through my doctor, I'm going to buy it through the black market. But then they were at risk for an overdose because... The pills they bought that claimed to be Vicodin maybe weren't actually Vicodin. Maybe were laced with fentanyl or they consumed something like heroin. If they injected heroin and shared needles, they were at risk of uh, getting uh, HIV and other communicable uh, blood transfer diseases. And so in an attempt to stop 
an alleged epidemic of addiction, we hurt a bunch of people who were using opioids in a totally functional, constructive, good way, and we caused more overdoses because we pushed these people to go to the black market where you're much more likely to be in danger from consuming opioids. And so prohibition is batting a thousand. Uh, it never fails to make things worse, right? Uh, that is my view. Prohibitions across all sorts of commodities, drugs, alcohol, gambling, prostitution, guns, etc. Okay, prohibitions are very ineffective ways to accomplish a goal of trying to reduce something or trying to reduce the misuse of something. Now for alcohol, say... We punish people who drive under the influence, and we try to have rules, which try to have rules that keep people from using alcohol in bad ways. But we don't just outlaw it because we know from our experience of prohibition that that's going to cause way more harm. That's going to create black markets and all that sort of thing. It's interesting too that uh, while this prohibition is uh, uh, taking place with the opioids, that. Uh, all over the country and all over North America, uh, marijuana is becoming legal, state by state and all over Canada. Uh, and it uh, wasn't that long ago that you could go to jail for a long time for selling that, and you can now buy it in a store in Ontario a few hours from here. Exactly. exactly. And some of the uh, claims that were made quite widely and, and uh, vocally by the federal government and others about how awful marijuana was for you, they sounded just as bad or worse than the claims that are made now about uh, opioids. Another interesting fact is that the states that have legalized or medicalized marijuana have actually seen reductions in the rate of increase of opioid overdoses. Some people have been substituting toward marijuana because it also can be an effective pain reliever. It just again illustrates that when people are given choices, even if it's choices amongst potentially dangerous things, things which can be misused, most people don't want to misuse them. They don't want to put themselves in danger, and they will try to substitute toward those substances which give them relief from pain or whatever in a relatively safe fashion. So allowing people to make choices instead of having the government dictate those choices seems to be much more effective. So um, I I just have a hard time um, imagining politicians agreeing with what you're saying. Uh, it's it's well, too far down the train's too far down the track right now for that. Well, I agree and disagree. It, certainly, having politicians advocate for legalizing opioids is seems very unlikely in the near term future. But there's one set of policies that a lot of politicians seem to be okay with, and if they were expanded significantly, would be would make a big difference, would help a lot, and that is uh, giving more access to medication assisted mean letting people who are opioid users get treated by getting continued access to opioids. That's exactly what methadone maintenance is, which the U.S. has been using for about 45, 50 years. And all the evidence suggests that people who get access to this kind of medication-assisted treatment instead of abstinence treatment, they're permitted to continue using opioids, that that helps improve their lives in various ways. They access the black market less often. They, they they stay employed more often. They earn higher incomes. They're in better health, and on and on and on. So many states and the federal government have been talking about, and in some cases enacting, okay, policies which broaden access to medicine. Um, made it easy for any doctor. Then, of course, you would be effectively moving toward legalization even though we have this veneer of still having government control. Well, they're, they're still legal, uh, at least with a prescription, aren't they? I mean, you can get oxy, you can still get these drugs with a prescription, but it's, you know, I, I just wonder because, you know, after, I've had, after I had surgery, um, I was really happy to have Vicodin uh, for, the, for the few days after surgery. If, I don't know what I'd do if he gave me enough for two days and said, you know, after that, just take uh, some Advil. Um, and so it's not just, I mean, they, 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 it's, it is still legal. It's just that the, the doctors seem to be afraid to prescribe it after a certain well, amount of time. Well, let's agree to say that it's partially legal. And okay. that's true of all sorts of things. I mean, even heroin is actually partially legal because some companies are allowed to use it to manufacture testing kits that test for the presence of heroin. 
Fentanyl is actually legal to be used as a uh, painkiller under doctor supervision, but it's used in a very, very, very limited way in current practice. But if legalization is only partial, and a lot of people who would like to purchase the commodity cannot get access legally, and that's what happens under a prescription system, if the prescription access is fairly restrictive, as you just described, then the fact that a little bit of an access is legal is, is not really relevant. What's relevant is that for most people, they can't get legal access. And is there, there's a misconception out there about who exactly is uh, dying from overdoses of, of these uh, opioids? Yeah, there is. First thing to say is that nobody really knows for sure. We don't have perfect data to address that. I think the popular perception is that people who are dying of the overdoses are non-users who took opioids for medical reasons, got hooked, and then they went out and consumed black market opioids, such as heroin or fentanyl. That undoubtedly happens. But the evidence is more suggestive that more people who are dying are people who were recreational users and didn't get access as much as they wanted, may have had medical access at some point, but were users before any medical use, and they've been accessing the black market and are at high risk. Even if all happening for people who had started using for medical reasons under medical supervision, it's still true that if they've been able to continue accessing legal prescription opioids, they would much less likely to go to the black market. Virtually, you know, almost never would go to the black market. Almost everyone would prefer to buy from a regular store where you know the dosage and the purity, where if you've got a bad dose, you can sue the manufacturer for false products, just like with any other product. And so there would be much less use of the black market if the prescription limits weren't there. Take your own store. And if your doctor had kept prescribing you Vicodin for your knee pain, never to go to the black market to buy Vicodin, you would have just been continued buying from a pharmacy by the prescription. But when the prescription limits are imposed, and some of the limits are from government, and some of those are doctors who are just worried about being monitored by the government. But when those are imposed, then people are motivated to go to the black market. Yeah, I had a friend of mine who's a dentist tell me that uh, he had to call the cops because a guy came in and demanded that he pull his tooth so that he would have pain and then be his the dentist could prescribe him Vicodin. And and that and I, I know of another case uh of a woman who had a, a problem with addiction and she was uh, uh, doing harm to herself uh to the point where it would require a visit to the emergency room in hopes that the doctor would see her pain and prescribe uh, Vicodin. And that, that's yeah, what... Even, sorry. No, go even ahead. Even better examples are people who have been receiving prescriptions and seem to think that those prescription opioids were helping them you know, live functional lives and then have been cut off by their doctors. And there are 20 or so documented cases like this have committed suicide because their lives with the pain... But no opioids were simply too too unbearable. Uh, and 20 is just the number that's documented. There may well be more. And, of course, lots of people who are not committing suicide but suffering more than needed because they've been cut off from their prescription. Talking to Jeffrey Myron. He's director of economic studies at the Cato Institute and director of graduate and undergraduate studies in the Department of Economic Studies at uh, Harvard University. I only have a minute, and I'm up against a hard break here, Jeffrey. Um I, I'm just wondering, this this thing um, has, it, the, the politicians seem, this seems to be something that politicians glom onto, uh, and that they're going, they're not going to let go of it. Yes, that seems to be the case, but we do have examples where the citizens and the, vo- the voters and then the politicians have moved away from prohibition. Alcohol prohibitions, history in the U.S. is a great example. We adopted 1920, and we had repealed it by the beginning of 1934. Right. The gradual medicalization and partial legalization of marijuana in the United States is another example where the pendulum swung away from prohibition. Jeffrey? uh, Sorry, I'll leave it there. Thanks. I'm out of time. i got three seconds. Thank you very much. Thank you. 
With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. We've heard from Special Counsel Robert Mueller. In a brief statement at the Department of Justice, Robert Mueller reiterated what he called the central allegation of his investigation. There were multiple systematic efforts to interfere in our election. And that allegation deserves the attention of every American. As to no conclusion on obstruction of justice, Mueller said that was not an option. Under long-standing department policy, a president, president cannot be charged with a federal crime while he is in office. That is unconstitutional. On the possibility of testifying before Congress, any testimony from this office would not go beyond our report. Mueller officially closed the investigation and said he was resigning his post at justice. Capitol Hill correspondent Wally Hines reporting. On Wall Street, the down by 221 points. The Nasdaq dropped 60. The S&P lower by 19. This is SRN News. When it comes to your pain, many of you might be skeptical, like I was, about ordering Relief Factor. Pat Boone again for this wonderful 100% drug-free supplement designed to help your own body lower or eliminate occasional aches and pains due to aging, exercise, everyday living. I'm not skeptical any longer. The three-week quick start is now discounted to only $19.95. Why don't you let us see if we can get you out of pain, too, at relieffactor.com. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Dennis Prager believes the information gap is significant. I want people who do not agree with me to read me. This is a very real problem in America. Conservatives read and know what the left thinks, and the opposite is not the case at all. The Dennis Prager Show, weekdays at noon, right before Sebastian Gorka at 3 on AM 1250. The Answer. Pella has done it again with our brand new lifestyle series. Pella can customize window replacement solutions room by room. Imagine bedroom and bathroom windows with shades between the glass, a room darkening experience for sleep in one room, and beautiful privacy in the other. Pella Lifestyle Series is the number one performing wood window and patio door. For a limited time, get 50% off installation in 12 months, no payments, no interest. Call 888-77-PELLA or PellaPittsburgh.com. One in seven men is diagnosed with prostate cancer in his lifetime. The good news? When caught early, it can be treated. The bad? All treatment options have side effects like impotence, urinary leakage, and rectal bleeding. New Space Ore Hydrogel is FDA cleared and clinically proven to help. Men receiving Space Ore Hydrogel are more likely to maintain their normal sexual, urinary, and bowel functions. Visit spaceoar.org or ask your doctor about Space Ore Hydrogel. Hunt Associates is your resource for examining the important financial aspects for your retirement plan. Listen to our podcast radio show, Hunt for Retirement, by visiting gwhunt.com. On this week's edition of Hunt for Retirement, we discuss securing lifetime income. Text HUNT to 555-888 or visit gwhunt.com to listen to the podcast now or call 844-366-HUNT for a free copy of the book, Income Allocation and a Free Retirement Income Report. Do you or your business have financial problems? Are you overwhelmed with debt? Then call me, Attorney Dennis Spire at 412-471-7675. My legal practice concentrates on bankruptcy law, debtor rights, and tax matters. I have over 30 years' experience as a former United States Department of Justice bankruptcy attorney and lawyer in private practice. I have represented thousands of cases faced with financial problems and lawsuits. Reorganize and get a fresh start. Call 412-471-7675 or visit my website at DennisSpira.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Lots of weather-related closures because of downed wires, including the Parkway North outbound shutdown from Camp Horn Road up to 79. Now, 79 northbound, that's closed down with downed wires between Mount Nebo Road and 910 and southbound at 910. You have to exit there at Wexford and then get back on southbound. We've got an accident on the PA Turnpike. This is at Cranberry Exit 28. Parkway West, very heavy inbound 79 to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer, Weather. 
A severe thunderstorm watch is in effect through 7 p.m. A flash flood watch is in effect as well. We'll have a shower and strong thunderstorm around through early this evening. Any thunderstorm can produce flash flooding, large hail and damaging wind gusts. A leftover shower or thunderstorm in spots later tonight, 64. Tomorrow, a couple of thunderstorms around mainly later when they can be strong again. High tomorrow, 73. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Well, Bob Mueller said his piece today, and it's been great for the media, and the Democrats seem to think it's great for them, but it really cleared nothing up, I don't think. It may have made impeachment more likely. Cully Stimson is a senior legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation. He joins us now. Cully, thanks for being here. Always a pleasure, John. So what did uh, Mueller accomplish today? I mean, what do we know now that, uh, what do I know now that I didn't know when I got up this morning? Well, I think the fact, one, that he actually spoke at all is significant because he's been tight-lipped for these two years. He's a belt and suspender by the book Marine. Uh, And so he spoke. He was very short and to the point. Uh, He didn't say anything that wasn't included in his report. In fact, he concluded by saying, I don't want to testify, in so many words, and if called to testify, I'm not going to say anything that's not already in the report, and I'm not going to go beyond the four corners of the report, and I'm done. I'm going back to private practice. Uh, And he thanked the people that worked on it, and he rubbed rubbed his hands together and said, I'm out of here. No questions. And so, um, you know, there's there's a lot of opinion bias going on. I watched the various networks left and right uh, right after this. Those who favor impeachment that think of Trump obstructed justice, they think there's a big deal uh, in parsing every word that Mueller said. Those that, say, those that say it's time to move on, say that's it. It was short and sweet to the point it's done. Uh, and there's really not anyone who's in the middle. It's just sort of the way it is. Yeah, and so the president said case closed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that pretty yeah, so it up Lindsey pretty Graham, well. Time to yeah. move on, and uh, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, once the attorney general, who's the chief law enforcement officer of this country, who Bob Mueller reports to in the chain of command, mm-hmm. uh, because he's part of the executive branch. Once Bob Mueller, the attorney general, says we're not going to indict him, uh, there's no indictable offense. Uh, that's it. Uh, case is closed. There is no legal case now. Uh, and once that reality came to pass, uh, then the open question is, is there a political uh, process uh, that could attempt to hold the president so-called accountable for the part two stuff, the obstruction of justice uh, um, stuff that uh, Mueller talked about in his report? Uh, and that's a political decision the Democrats have to make. But um, uh, what I saw from the Democrats and from the people on the liberal side of the media they seem to be saying they seem to get from his statement that um, this that the the fact that he um, the the fact that he mentioned that there were things that he could have been prosecuted for then therefore it's up to them to to go get him for the things that Mueller didn't get him on so they wanted they want to do it again. Well, I mean, if, if you read the report very carefully, and I had to do so as part of my job. Um, and I'm a former prosecutor and judge, mm-hmm. so I know how to read these types of things because I've done it most of my career. Uh, you see that the special counsel's report was quite clear uh, in that they said, you know, uh, yes, there's the Office of Legal Counsel guidance that says you cannot indict a sitting president. But nothing prevented the special counsel from saying, but we think the president committed these crimes. Mm-hmm. That's not indicting somebody. That's not recommending indictment. That's saying he committed these crimes. They didn't say that. At the same time, they said that there wasn't enough evidence to prosecute, and it, but it does not exonerate him, which is an odd conclusion to, to, to end with as a prosecutor, because I never looked for looked my, my job was to either indict and convict uh, or not indict at as all. As a prosecutor, you well, mean I that's your job. I didn't exonerate you. Yeah. Right, right. Um. And so, um, the, the, it's it's. I mean, at the end of a at the end of a uh, a murder trial where a guy is found innocent, the judge doesn't. Well, he's found not guilty. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. If he says not guilty, the judge doesn't say, or the district attorney, uh, the, or the prosecutor doesn't say. Well, I think he's guilty, but I just can't prove it. It's it's you present the facts, and the jury gets to decide whether you're uh, not guilty or guilty. 
but I heard someone say today that you know it, it, it's there's nowhere in the Constitution that says that the president can't be indicted while he's in office, can't be charged with a crime. And so someone suggested that if Trump really wanted to, if he really wanted to, he could say, "Hey, you know what? Indict me. Go ahead, do it." Uh, you got nothing on me, indict me. And because there's nothing in the Constitution that prevents it, right? There's nothing specifically in the Constitution that says you cannot indict a sitting president, but the Office of Legal Counsel, which is the lawyer's lawyer for the executive branch, going mm-hmm. back decades, have issued an opinion, and that opinion uh, said that you cannot indict a sitting president. You can do an investigation. You can, as the special counsel's report laid out in Section 2, preserve the evidence for a potential future prosecution. And so, no, nothing in the Constitution, but there's a lot of things that are not in the Constitution. So that's why you have interpretive branches of 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 the federal government that take interpretations of the Constitution. And you remember earlier today, Robert Mueller said it was unconstitutional to indict a sitting president. I think what he really meant was, the OLC's opinion is right. that it was unconstitutional to do that. Well, but uh, what if the president? Uh, what if the president took it upon himself, though? What would be the legal challenge to him saying, "Hey, I know that's the precedent. I understand that I there are certain protections that I have, but uh, I'm happy to um, relinquish those protections and please indict me." Yeah, I mean, I would suspect his very able White House counsel, Pat <laughs> Cipollone, would tell him not to say that, right. number one. Uh, number two, I don't think it would make a difference if the president said, bring it on, because the OLC opinion is the OLC opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and the attorney general has already decided that there was no offense which the, which the president uh, could be prosecuted on, given the scope of the Mueller investigation. And remember, the scope of the Mueller investigation, although it seems broad and it's 500 pages in the, in the terms of its report, focused on one thing. Did the Russians uh, screw up and try to mess up our investigation in 2016? Absolutely. And that's part one. Uh, And and did Trump and his campaign and officials collude with them? No. Part two, was there uh, actions that obstructed justice by the president or his aides uh, of that investigation? Answer, we can't exonerate them, but we are not recommending any any charges. Uh, and so that's why, as a political matter, the president has been able to say no collusion, no obstruction, and the Democrats have focused as a political matter on part two, which is what they believe are the 10 items in part two of the Mueller investigation that would constitute obstruction. The real question as a political matter is, does it make sense as a political matter to tee up impeachment proceedings only to have, no doubt, the Senate not convict him, which is a political loser for them, right. or to keep Peck, 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 prod, 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 poke, 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 hearing after hearing, drip, 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 uh, between now and 2020 uh, to gin up the base, gin up the vote, uh, highlight over a period of time what they believe are very disturbing, if not criminal activity, but not have an impeachment proceeding as a way of driving them out of office in 2020. That, that's why if it's me, and I, I'm... <laughs> I'm not the guy you want to be taking legal advice from, believe me. But if it's me, at some point, if that if that were to be the case, where that was the drip, drip, drip effect, if I'm Trump and I know that they got nothing on me, uh, I might be saying, I'm begging you, please impeach me. Start the process tomorrow. Let's do it. Because that, that's the way I feel about it. And I, I started my show by saying today, uh, impeach him or shut up. Because you know the Democrats, as you just said, that's a that's a um, that, that's a strategy to just have impeachment kind of hanging there without having the guts to actually go through with it. Well, you know, in my lifetime, and I you know came of age in the Reagan era, mm-hmm. uh, I've heard the I word uh, for every president, mm-hmm. uh, whether they got there or not. I mean, obviously, we saw it play out in reality in the in the in the uh, uh, in the Clinton yeah. era. Uh, and we know what happened in, in, in Nixon, but of course I, I was, I was only a teenager then. Um, and so I didn't get to vote and I wasn't paying that much attention, but in every presidency, uh, since Reagan, we hear the I word, whether they take it up as a matter of law, um, as a matter of choice, that's up to them. And here, I think that there's a real divide with the far left, uh, saying, you know, you gotta, you gotta do impeachment proceedings. 
and Nancy Pelosi, for the time being, holding the line. We saw that Cory Booker jumped the shark uh, today mm-hmm. and called uh, for his impeachment. So, you know, w- these things take on a life of their own. Where they head, it's hard to say. I don't think that any president is going to be saying, please impeach me, because I know you're going to lose in the Senate. Yeah. I don't think Pat Filippoloni and his other advisors would ever uh, offer that kind of advice to, to any president. Well, I, I, the thing that I'm thinking about, though, the, the how impeachment would force the Democrats to bring everything out into the open. Everything's on the table, and that would also allow uh, the people defending the president to bring evidence that maybe hasn't been uh, brought to light yet. You know, that impeachment would bring yeah, everything but, up, wouldn't it? Yeah, but th- think about it this way. First off, of course, you know, the legislative branch is a co-equal branch of the government, so they're not going to take advice from the president about whether to impeach or not. It's mm-hmm. the decision they have to right, make. Right. Secondly, impeachments are just bad for the country. Period. Yep. Uh, it's bad for everybody. It distracts from the business of what we have to focus on. We have serious issues with respect to Russia, China, North Korea, uh, Iran. We have cyber attacks all the time on our country. We have an economy to run. We have trade deals to carve. People care about wallet issues, education issues, health care issues, how to take care of your parents. Uh, an impeachment proceeding would be a, a full-time circus. It would make the OJ trial uh, look like a commercial. Uh, it, it is not good for the country. Uh, of course, it's the prerogative of the Congress to decide whether to commence that, and that's why I think there's some prudence in thinking through whether they should even do that. Yeah, and um, here's the thing. He, he, in his statement, said that the report speaks for itself. Talking about Mueller here. He said the report right. speaks for itself. If that's true, what was the purpose of him speaking today to clear it up? If, it's, if it speaks for itself, why do we need him to speak for it today? Well, it was obviously a personal decision that Robert Mueller uh, had to make, and it wasn't a really long speech. Uh, It it was derived almost exactly from the highlights of the report. Uh, I think as a Marine, I mean, I'm a naval officer. I'm not speaking for the Navy, of course, (laughs) only for heritage. Uh, But as a naval officer and a a former assistant U.S. attorney, I think it makes sense uh, for the person who conducted the special counsel role to stand up and say, case closed, report speaks for itself, I'm out of here. And so he did it in a very dignified way. People are going to see his statement today the way they honestly <laughs> see the whole affair. Uh, if they saw the Mueller report as uh, essentially a roadmap to impeachment, they're just going to find something in what Mueller said today as further proof of that. If they see case closed, they're going to see case closed, back to private practice, he did his job. Um, and I don't think anyone's going to change their mind based on the uh, – his eight-minute uh, spiel today. I think it's actually going to harden people's opinions. Right. Talking to Cully Stimson, he's a senior legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation. Um, and um, uh, in, in his statement, he said, he talked about the Russians trying to interfere in our election, and they did, uh, but he, he said that they're innocent until proven guilty. But he, he didn't say that about Trump. Uh, why doesn't, why would he, why would he say that, tell everybody to remember that the, that uh, there wasn't enough evidence uh, to to uh, convict in his mind uh, Trump of anything, but he didn't he didn't say that he, but he said I couldn't exonerate him. He didn't exonerate the Russians either, but he but he said they're innocent until proven guilty. Well, I may be even misremembering this, but my recollection from today is that when he made the comment uh, innocent until proven guilty, it was it was in reference to President Trump. Uh, he was very clear that the Russians interfered with our election. His report uh, is a damning indictment, no pun intended, of, of what the Russians did. And in fact, speaking of indictment, uh, he handed down uh, a, a sweeping indictment, which if you haven't read it, your, your listeners should read the darn thing. It's online right. about all the chicanery and backhanded dirty tricks uh, and rotten stuff that the Russians did to disrupt our election. Uh, in part one of the report, uh, which is available online. So my recollection is that he wasn't saying the Russians are innocent until proven guilty. In fact, he's indicted a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. It was respect with respect to the president. Um, that's why it was so befuddling for a lot of people like me who who practiced criminal law uh, when he said, you know, you know, although the report doesn't recommend a, a, a charges, we cannot. It does not exonerate him. We thought, oh, that's that's sort of weird because prosecutors don't don't live in that world. It's right. either indict or don't indict. That's it. 
Yeah, and and you and you you don't make uh, comment on it when it's over. You accept the verdict and move on, right? Well, that's true. Although this is sui generis, I mean, this is very unique. There's only one Mueller report. There's mm-hmm. only one Trump presidency. Uh, there's only one time in our nation's history where the Russians did what they did to the extent they did it in 2016. And so there was no roadmap for Mueller, or no guidebook, uh, no standing operating procedure for him to pull off a shelf and figure, you know, what should I do? Now, there's the Nixon, Nixon impeachment proceedings. There's the Clinton impeachment uh, model. Um, and so he had some historical guidance. But, I mean, he did a very thorough job, in my opinion. I've read that report. Uh, it clearly, uh, that exon- no exoneration language came from, uh, in my opinion, um, a disagreement uh, between his senior lawyers uh, as to whether or not uh, there was some there there. And so as the, the special counsel, he had to make the call, and I think that that was a compromise, uh, uh, but one that Barr interpreted as, well, you didn't recommend a charges. That's it. End of discussion. No obstruction. So I have about 30 seconds left. Um, have we seen the last of Bob Mueller? He says he's going to retire. Is he, are we going to be seeing him again in this well, Bob case? Bob Mueller hopes on... the answer is no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he clearly doesn't want to have anything to do with it anymore. But I suspect once his resignation is final tonight uh, that the Democrats will attempt to subpoena him. Uh, and we probably haven't seen uh, the rest of him because he's He's going to be hauled up to Congress and, and forced to testify. He won't go beyond the four corners of the document, though. It'll be very frustrating for them. Mm-hmm. Well, Cully uh, Stimson, I really appreciate you being on here to clear this up. It's uh, all very confusing to us lay people, and it's good to have someone with uh, some knowledge of this stuff on the show to clear it up. Thank you. Always happy to join you. All Thanks. right, and that's Cully Stimson, and we will be right back. Oh, Share, like, comment, tweet. Are these foreign terms to your business? They may not be to your competition and the reason you're losing sales. Social media marketing is on the verge of dominating commerce. The right social media strategy can help you slay the competition and gain new customers. We're Salem Surround. We take the mystery of digital marketing off your shoulders, letting you run your business while we deliver customers. Your competition is already social. Catch them and surpass them. We offer a free analysis of your digital marketing effectiveness and suggest methods that could dramatically increase your sales. We know how to make every digital dollar count towards sales success. Now there are no limitations on where you can reach customers with Salem Surround. Total market penetration for increased ROI. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. A couple of weeks ago, we had Rocky Blyer here to talk about his work with Miracle League in Moon Township. Fields for athletes with special needs. Jim Leland, the Pirates' former manager, is also involved in that project. Jim, thanks for being here. Great to be here, John. Great to talk to you. Tell me about the Miracle League of Moon Township. It's just a great thing for these kids, and it's a wonderful opportunity for people to participate. Some people are a little less fortunate than others, and I think it's just a great opportunity for people to volunteer and to help out and put a smile on somebody's face. I've seen the field that they put out in Upper St. Clair. It's amazing. Oh, it's unbelievable the way they construct these things. They have the ramps and everything for the kids. It takes a little stress off the parents. I think it's what Pittsburgh's all about. It's just a great thing. It'll serve Montour, West Allegheny, Moon, Sewickley, Weirton, Steubenville, Beaver County, and surrounding communities. Approximately 100 to 200 children will be eligible to participate and it'll also serve adults with special needs. So it's a great cause. And if you'd like to see how you can help, maybe donate some money, check it out at miraclesinmoon.org. Miracles in Moon. We'll be right back. What's inside your mattress affects its price, comfort, and durability. But most mattress manufacturers won't show you what's inside their products because they simply don't want you to know. How can you know if you're getting the best value if you don't know how your mattress is made? At the Original Mattress Factory, we believe that transparency is what's best for our customers. So we have open displays of each model in our showroom so you can see and feel the difference in our products. Visit one of our local Original Mattress Factory stores to see exactly what we're made of. Not so long ago, all mattresses had two sides, and for good reason. You can flip two-sided mattresses regularly, making them last longer than one-sided mattresses. 
So, what happened to two-sided mattresses? In an effort to cut costs, most mattress manufacturers cut their mattresses in half. For nearly three decades, the original Mattress Factory has believed that building high-quality two-sided mattresses is the right thing to do. Visit us in one of our stores or at OriginalMattress.com to see how our products are built right and built to last. Obamacare, Trump Care, ACA, Cobra, there are so many choices, but all seem to bring one word to mind, expensive. There are lots of changes happening in health care today. Fortunately, I know someone that has been on the forefront of health insurance for years, Todd Marley at Marley Financial. Todd and his team of professionals are licensed with virtually every health care provider in the country. They help determine which plan is right for you and then expertly help you choose the best plan for your needs and then do so prudently. Don't need maternity coverage? Call Marley Financial. Have pre-existing conditions? Call Marley Financial. Want just catastrophic or just accident? You know the answer. Worried about the penalty? All of Marley Financial plans are penalty exempt because they know how to design the plans. Most of their clients save 30 to 60%, which can add up to several thousand dollars a year. Call Todd at Marley Financial, 724-884-1496. That's 724-884-1496 on the web at MarleyFG.com. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. I never read the letters to the editor of the Post-Gazette. I haven't read them in 10 years, but my friend Bob Smizek alerted uh, me to one written about me from a guy named uh, Max uh, Parker. He's a, uh, a video game uh writer or something. He's a former Pittsburgh guy. He says, uh, John Steigerwald made his career punching below his weight class covering sports in a sport-crazed city during the days when media was lucrative and cushy. As uh, media changed, he's been lucky enough to coast on his name. Then over a couple of decades, young talent came in. He goes on to say that instead of uh, accepting the young talent, I tried to coast on my name and blah, blah, blah. Instead of taking on hungry, budding sports voices, Mr. Steigerwald turned to picking the low-hanging fruit of appealing to right-wing listeners on am radio and then he finishes by saying mr steigerwald's voice doesn't represent a diverse progressive pittsburgh community he's as toxic as pittsburgh's old steel mills i like the steel mills that polluted its neighborhoods he isn't worth your attention or time pittsburgh deserves better i sent a message to max parker on uh, twitter and told him to get back to his joystick i'll see you tomorrow the john steigerwald show is a production of am 1250 the answer and salem media group Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com